0: Hello and welcome to the 905er podcast. My name's Roland Tanner and uh Joel's not here. Joel's away taking a break in exotic climbs Nova Scotia, somewhere like that. I don't know. He's not here anyway. <laughs> and uh and standing in, standing in, a stand not not a stand-in, that's for sure, but a uh, guest this week, returning guest, um, someone well known, um to certainly many of our listeners who live in Burlington and anybody who reads driving.ca or uh, the Motherload column in in the spec, uh, Lorraine Sommerfeld, uh, welcome back to the podcast today. Hi, Roland. And uh, as I say, you've, you've been a guest a couple of times before, I think, and um, uh, you and I have known each other since... I don't know, since I was young, since I was the young <laughs> guy, uh, we were on a committee and it was like, like, I wouldn't qualify as the young guy anymore. That's for yeah. sure.
1: I'm still <laughs> older than you. So we're <laughs>
0: me. Um, yeah, I mean, I go bloody hell. It's almost 15, 16 years. I don't know, whatever. Um, and um, we were, uh, well, I was thinking of asking you on again, because it's been a while since we spoke, and to talk about some recent driving stuff and some recent political stuff with Doug Ford and what he's doing. Um, and then it's like, oh, holy hell, Lorraine's published a, a novel. So um, <laughs> I do know, actually, I think way back when we first knew each other. Um, obviously, you've been a writer, professional writer for, for a long time now. Um, but you were thinking about writing a novel and writing novels is not easy. So A, congratulations. And uh, B, tell us something about it.
1: Well, it's very far off the beaten path. It's one of those thrillers, escape killers rummaging through cottage country and freaking everybody out. So it's not a mother load. There's a lot more swearing in it. And it's got nothing to do with driving, even though everyone has very specific cars. Car casting is fun in a novel, I found out. So anyone that reads it will go, yeah, okay, there's a reason that person's driving that car.
0: It probably increases your chance of like getting televised by the BBC or someone because they always like quirky cars are really important in, uh, in, uh, in that kind of stuff.
1: I wish we had quirkier cars over here. We don't, but, (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: but I mean, so what, what, what got you to, to, to writing a novel uh, now? I mean, I guess kind of a dumb question, but, but why now? And, uh, you
1: know, I'd actually finished it. um, It came out in July, last July. So, Welcome aboard, (laughs) Roland. Yeah, yeah. I'm really on top of the current affairs in our region, as everybody can hear. Yeah, And Um, I'd had it finished about six years before then and just parked it. Because in Canada, you cannot get a book published. It's basically impossible. And a lot of people will say, well, you must have connections. You've been a writer for 20 years. It means zero. It means absolutely nothing in this country, which I knew. But I wanted to prove to myself that I could finish a book instead of just starting a lot, which I have several half- done ones as well. And when my kid, Christopher, you know Christopher, um, I was up at the cottage with him one time. We have a little crappy cottage and it's pretty isolated on a lake. And I was up there with him on my own and he was eight months old, maybe? Not even. Anyway, I'm watching, it was a Friday night. I get up there with my kid and I'm watching the X-Files because that's a really smart thing to do when you're in the middle of the woods on your own in the dark with a baby. (laughs) And then the news came on and two guys had escaped from prison, two murderers. I got it in my head that they were escaped from Penatanguchine. I don't know exactly where it was. It could have been, you know, Arkansas, but I watched <laughs> the news. Freaked myself out. I imagined being in a cottage where you can't see any other cottages. We don't have weapons. And I'm there with a baby. What do I do if these guys somehow come through the forest to me? And that little nugget sat in my brain for thirty years because I thought you're not your most vulnerable. And I like thinking about, uh, I don't like horror at all, but I do like scary, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. really actual scary. And that's the thing. People go to cottages on their own all the time. I go up by myself all the time. Now I've got people going, yeah, not doing that anymore. I go, sorry. <laughs> but I just took that night of fear. I didn't sleep that night. I stayed up till the sun came up and it stayed. And then that's what I wound this book from is a woman. She's way cooler than I am up at a cottage with her kid. And then there's her characters around her, her dad and stuff. So yeah, it came from something that actually happened and then I embroidered a little bit.
0: And, do you, and, and just let's make sure we mention the, the titles and everything. Okay. A Face in the Window, Lorraine Summerfeld, uh, available in all good bookstores. I'm going to um, yes. um yeah gonna predict and um and an amazon and such yeah different um, drummer
1: in burlington yeah, yeah go go Gary buy
0: independent well. people yeah. support your independent bookstores yeah for sure amazon does not need your money um yeah. uh, but um but you yes. can get it there you can get there but you, you can want. get it there too yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: there's a website at face in the window.com it'll tell you where you can find it so
0: and um i mean it it is a really good um, i mean i guess uh the location of a novel is really important i mean its sort of sense of place it's um uh, and we don't have a huge maybe i'm wrong here correct me i can't think of a huge number of authors who make canada the 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 um or elements of rural canada um kind of central to the to to the writing and kind of make that part of i mean do, do you think that kind of colors the story i mean obviously it's rural it's scottish country something that many of us familiar with but
1: well I actually I moved it down to northern New York State <laughs> <laughs> it was very calculated um because it happened up here to me and the next one I'm writing is hopefully up here as well mm-hmm. and actually a friend of mine who's a novelist Brad Smith he uses Southern Ontario as the settings for his right. stuff and it's fascinating like they're great books and they're set mm-hmm. here and I'm really proud that someone can do it. I thought, okay, I can and I ended up with a New York publisher, like an American publisher, so I yeah. had to keep those I had to keep the pathways open. Yeah, yeah. Setting it here would limit that mm-hmm. for someone who's never been published as a novelist and I didn't have any power, so I thought, okay, if it's set and I put it in the Finger Lakes region, which I mm-hmm. love, and I go through yeah. there a lot and the the geography of the lakes was really important to the story because somebody can get across those lakes in a few minutes and it moves the story along following the geography up here if you set off from one shore of Georgian Bay a few days later you'll find the next shore but there's no you know it's it's a different kind of vibe so I did adapt it to a place that I knew Mm -hmm. that I really liked and it was a good benefit to the story to keep because it moves very quickly the chapters are short short chapters everybody it's fun (laughs) and you know so it rockets along and the geography had a lot to do with that so
0: Well, as I was saying before we started recording, I've 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 ordered a copy. It hasn't. i it, well, it would have arrived yesterday if uh, if I hadn't been out when Amazon tried to deliver it. But it may it may arrive during the recording. You know, you know there's there's, there's uh, excitement for you people.
1: Um, but well, um, well, thank you. And if any book clubs do it, I've been going to going around talking at book clubs. If they contact me and say, "Oh, we selected that book." There's ten of us. I go. I'll come talk to you. And they're like, "Really?" I'm going. Hell yeah! There's ten of you that read my book. That's, that's been fun. That's the
0: way to do it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and that's that sounds like a really good offer, uh, uh, people. So get on that. I highly yeah. recommend that. <laughs> uh, you already mentioned that that there's you, you've got plans for for more uh, for more for more books. Um, I mean, are you already working on it. Have you already if you got it already finished and done and just working. Oh, or is I it- wish.
1: <laughs> no, the other one kind of happened is my kids had moved out and I had some quiet time and I got it into shape and then just pushed it the last three months, six, seven years ago. The rewriting, uh, writing is rewriting. it. The rewrites, I was already throw things at my publisher's head. And then I found out he was giving me really good direction and ideas. <laughs> but at the time I was cranky because I'm used to hitting a deadline, 800 words, 900 words, whatever, bang, 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 mm-hmm. like every day, totally different kind of writing. I had to retrain myself. I had to learn things. I haven't learned them all yet. One thing I like about fiction, you just make stuff up. Like if you need a reason why someone did that, you just give them a reason. So it's awesome. So that was very freeing and it was good. And I I love my day job, but writing about cars, writing about politics, writing about kids and cats, it's very different than making stuff up. And writing 84,000 words instead of 600 is definitely...
0: (laughs) it's oh. it's um I mean, as someone who has someone sometimes um thought about, oh, maybe I could be a writer maybe you know I mean I've written stuff, I've even published stuff, but nothing, anybody would ever want to read <laughs>
1: not uh, and not not
0: fiction <laughs> uh, uh it's it's. It, I found it incredibly difficult to the um, self discipline required to to actually you know not just write the first couple of pages, but then follow that up and write the next um, couple of hundred. Yeah. And then, like you say, I mean, even anybody who's done any writing at all knows that that first draft is is going to have to you're going to have to read it again and again and again and again. And good. editing is uh, really you know. But do, I mean, was it? Um, did you find that process fairly easy, or or what was it um, was it like oh I've got to grind through this and you know make sure I get my five pages a day or whatever?
1: Well, there's lots of, I mean, people will say oh you got to read the artist's way and journal every day and all that. Well, I tell you people, people have been telling me that for thirty years, and that's a bunch of crap. So I think everyone has their own process. Most writers I know of every genre, like some of us are putting it out every day, some are writing novels. We have about four good hours a day. When we're productive. And if you go past that, your brain just starts springing leaks and you can edit and rewrite, but to actually work, that's about the most until your brain sprains. And a lot of times, especially um, <laughs> if you get a little high or have some wine, you think, oh, this is brilliant. You read it the next day. It's not brilliant. <laughs> whether it So I'm better writing in the morning. And usually I have to write for my job. So trying to cut time out um, to do this is sporadic. I don't, I I wish I could say to you that I spend two hours a day on the book and then I do the rest of it. No, I kind of have to wake up and go, I have an idea or something happens and then it'll move. So I'm not settling in yet to the next one. I have three ideas. They're all very different and I like them and I have to, But you have to noodle them around in your brain for months before they because I'm I'm learning what most people I think would like every author of a book they're writing to say to themselves, which is, what's the point? So every time something happens, I'm asking myself, well, what's the point? And if you read a book and you're going, what was the point of that? The writer failed. So I'm trying to correct myself before I make the mistakes, which means sometimes I don't do anything. I just sit there looking blankly out the window like my cats. But um, I was thinking about this uh,
0: recently that um, I was thinking of, sort of you know, books that I. Um, I used to I used not to like sort of Dickens and stuff like that and then about a decade ago I suddenly suddenly the penny dropped with what was good about Dickens and and I read all of Dickens in about 6 months like everything apart from the last couple of books where he really he starts being so sentimental it's just you want to boke but uh, it's but like he's hilarious and he's funny and it's fantastic but what books and also actually not so much Dickens but some of the other people from that era they spend so long getting into the plot because they didn't well a they were often serialized and they're trying to make a big book gotcha. because get paid more <laughs> um, but also the, they weren't competing with cell phones and television and movies and you could you know people weren't gonna throw the book away and when when the first page didn't grab them and and I kind of feel like now you can't do that you've gotta hit people from page one you know uh, uh, and drag them drag them along by any means necessary I mean does that sound You're
1: absolutely right No, you're right. And I think it's unfortunate because that prose you're talking about is like the meat of some of the best literature we have. But the whole world has ADHD now. Nobody, including me, I... when it comes to being able to stay on a site or something Mm -hmm. and there's a joke in the industry in the thriller industry now i'm a little tiny part of it is get a body in the first page or at least the first chapter Mm -hmm. because if you don't no one's gonna bother and that is like tawdry and awful i did it (laughs) but there is a formula this is formula writing there's no two ways about it i taught myself the formula i read a whole bunch of really bad books and a handful of good ones and thought okay it's a formula it's i'm not going to make it more than it is i threw out big chunks because it's like, well, that's not moving things along fast enough. And my publisher, I said, Well, what about this? And he goes, You chose the genre. He goes, I'm just telling you how it works. <laughs> and I'm going, Okay, okay, I understand. So learning curve, really big learning curve. Um my chapters are short, but I've got people going, oh, we just go, we're just gonna read one more. And they love that they're short because you have to pull people along and this book has to keep pace. And because it takes place in about three days I think the whole book, it has to move and you can never be sure. You have to be a little bit out of breath about what's going on because the people in the book are out of breath, not sure what's going on. And so I had to master that. And you can't you can't bury the lead. It's obvious writing versus, you know, technical where you're or sometimes, you know, if I write a column and I want to go however and then say something amazing a third of the way in. Oh, we don't get to do that anymore. You open with the blood. <laughs> like you just
0: Well, and I, I have a friend from I emigrated to his, uh, a, an author in Scotland and um, uh, he I think one of his books got like long listed for the Booker Prize and stuff and his books are, are great a guy called James Robson everybody looking for a good read I <laughs> always found his books to be a really good read uh, and um, but that was can be a really rare thing particularly with the type of book um, like books are ultimately entertainment like anything else mm-hmm. right but we pick them up to be entertained not not to you know th- think about philosophy or deconstructionism or whatever. Yep. <laughs> like entertain me first. Yep. Make me think, sure. But I want to be entertained. And um it, there's a whole lot of um I felt a mm-hmm. long time ago there was a whole load of really self-indulgent stuff out there that sort of wrapped itself in the in the kind of cloak of liter- serious literature yeah. as, as a way of getting away with being really tedious <laughs> not having a plot. <laughs>
1: and and I think I agree with you. Enter, entertain me. And I don't think people should have to apologize for liking to be entertained. I don't think there's any, like if there's a series of books you like and they make you happy and that is great, then that author's done the job that they set out to do. So when I see bestseller lists and someone goes, oh, that's absolute garbage. And sometimes that's me saying that. That's okay though. If That's entertaining people. Oh, this world's tough enough. If your escape every night for an hour before you go to sleep is a book that lasts you a week and costs you 25 bucks, money well spent, that's great. Or especially hand it around to your friends and stuff like that. So anything that can take your mind out of the garbage we're living through day in and day out this is your segue by the way uh, <laughs> i was just thinking that <laughs> so i i would never gonna you know crap on anybody's association with literature or books whatever makes you happy and g- gets you an escape oh my god we all need one we all need it so yeah well
0: i i'm looking forward to reading it i uh i hope it sells a gazillion copies uh, just <laughs> that's because. not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> if this one doesn't sell a gazillion copies then you know uh the following ones uh, that would be good too. and um uh uh yeah we'll, we'll have you back to talk about the the, <laughs> the next one the next one uh but yeah as you mentioned as you mentioned the the crap storm of the world uh that we are in and um uh anybody who reads your uh column in the spec mother load will know that um as well as talking about your amazing family um who i'm fortunate enough to to know and have met on many occasions and even to have employed in some cases. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) um, uh, You also sometimes talk about politics and then immediately get a pile of of people saying, (laughs) stick to stick to whatever it is, yeah, stick to cars. Yeah. (laughs) But you talk about politics and you talk about, I mean, politics, obviously overlapping with cars is definitely Ooh. your wheelhouse. So yeah. What the hell has Doug Ford been up to now? Uh, oh.
1: I think. oh, boy. I tell you, we can split this into Doug Ford and EVs because everything's politicized now. I've never seen cars be so politicized as electric vehicles. It's insanity. But Ford with, oh, the star ran a piece a few days ago saying there's a million plates that are out of date because when Ford scrapped for, before the last election, he gave back about everyone said, you know. You got all this money back from your license plates. And then, of course, people forget. You're supposed to go online and renew them. And there's an email that will get sent out if you put yourself on this list. Well, this is asking a lot of a lot of people who maybe aren't able to do this or grasp this or older people or immigrants i mean it's crappy it's a crappy thing to do a negative billing option until the cops pull you over and fine it was garbage and then the star says there's a million out-of-date plates you could get a thousand dollar fine okay that's not true technically unless you get caught like 50 times it's 150 bucks and for the first year or two cops are like okay warning warning like we know this is stupid too but like everything else Doug Ford does it is he just runs out into traffic and somehow enough cars keep stopping that he hasn't been run over but you can't plan this way you can't make legislation this way and i swear this government is shooting from the hip all the time and now they're saying they're going to cancel license registrations and everything else well here's the thing when you go to renew your license plate and i'm a firm believer if you're a driver this is part of the cost of having a car taking that money out of the budget is ridiculous people that drive should be renewing plates. I know there's other places that don't. I don't care. Ontario's the most populous province. It was a lot of money. But by removing that, you're putting the onus back onto people who don't drive, which is nonsense. But what he did at the time, he canceled it and he said, you're getting a refund. You should see my mail from that time. He not only refunded the the year they announced it, he made it retroactive to the year before. I knew people got thousands of dollars back. They had multiple cars. There was no boundaries drawn around fleets or anything like that. So people were getting all this money back, but the money it wasn't tied to anything that we could figure out. I had all these people. go, I have two cars. This is my birthday. How come I got $600 back? I only paid $240. And I asked the government and they did not respond to me. Um, but the amounts were making no sense. So I had people mailing me telling me how much they got back, how many cars they had when their birthdays were. It made no sense. There was no rhyme or reason, nor was there ever an accounting. He handed back billions of dollars. We don't know to who or why. Nobody ever found out. So everything this government touches, I'm reminded that there's there's no plan in place. There's rarely a plan. So much tax money. So, And I know every government wastes money, I understand. But for him to flippantly see this star headline, I guarantee. They say, what about that? There's a million cars. That's it. We're not doing it anymore. And then they had to scramble to come up with, yeah, we've been planning this all along. Bull. Bull. There's no way. So he's governing by headline. When he feels hurt, he invents a new thing. I don't think it's going to be controlled properly. And when you go to renew your plate, if you have outstanding fines, you have to pay them. Great. It also is a check for... Uh, revend vehicles if something's been stolen, very important. And I mean, they're telling me, oh no, they'll be checking that automatically. Well, you you know where that's going to happen. I'm going to get told I have outstanding fines that I don't have. I'm going to have to sort it out on my dime. You know that. The other thing though, is Ontario is the, they collect 407 charges when you renew your license. So we're collecting money, government agency for a privately owned thing. That's the only one. And that's ridiculous. I don't know who cut that deal. I can guess. Dumb, dumb idea. Well- uh, the
0: Conservative other, government Ernie Eaves. yeah,
1: yeah. The other thing which a lot of people don't know is if you are a deadbeat and you're not paying child support, you cannot renew your license. This was a, a step in place for custodial parents to have a way to get people who were evading paying child support. It was a way to catch them. Are you telling me this is going to be baked into their automatic system? I don't think it is. So this is way bigger than putting a sticker on your plate or calling me a commie because I think we should pay for them. All right, that was a long rant. I apologize. <laughs> oh,
0: this is the podcast for long, long <laughs> rants. Uh, uh, let me follow up for yours with mine. <laughs> the cynicism of, of this government, I mean, they know they know who their, their core support is, right? And uh, it's, they, I just like, we want the truck drivers. We want the we want the guys who want to be left alone to burn oil <laughs> and to drive as cheaply as possible to like us. And I guess that's fine. And they're not the only government to, to try and please their base. But this is there are there's a reasons why governments actually have paperwork and red tape. And like mm-hmm. you say, why it's not just because they want to be a pain in the ass and register people's cars, but because it's connected to a whole load of other stuff and needing to know how many cars that are on the road and. Tracing criminal uh, practices and goodness knows what else. And uh, yeah, like you say, everything they do, it's just shooting from the hip. And it puts, I mean, yeah, that whole business of the refund was, was just.
1: I could not make it make sense. I spent a lot of time with a spreadsheet because I had a lot yeah. of input. I get a lot of data from my readers. It's awesome. It made no sense. Nobody could predict how much they would get back. You should have been able to predict exactly how much you'd be get, getting back. Mm-hmm. Nobody was. They had no control over that. It was just like diarrhea. It, the, they just opened the floodgates for the money.
0: And the, fe- the federal government's getting a lot of stick now. I'm not say, yeah. saying necessarily unfairly, but the federal government's getting a lot of stick for for how they managed the uh, the uh, uh, COVID loans uh, and- so- Yeah, about but,
1: as crappy as the rest of the world did.
0: <laughs> Yeah. But this is just- Like, have some checks because you're driving and we like you. And also, this is a conservative government, right? Isn't the conservative principle that you pay for what you do? You pay, don't ask for handouts. You don't ask for, you don't ask for subsidies. You know, roads have to be paid for. When we get on a train, we expect to pay to use the train. We expect to pay to use the bus. And sure, we know that there are subsidies involved quite often or whatever. But ultimately, you you we're paying a big chunk of the money to go on a train when i go out in my car i'm not paying anything for the roads anymore like even the nominal amount that's in the in the uh uh you know road tax sort of uh, stuff
1: well your gas tax is paying for infrastructure so wait and ev sales are picking up and will continue to pick up wait until they have to put a charge on you for buying a plug-in hybrid or an ev because you're not paying gas taxes and the infrastructure is going to be Crushing under the extra weight of this stuff, every government is going to have to start charging EV owners an annual fee to offset the loss in tax revenue from so, gas taxes. This is going to get fun <laughs> because <laughs> that's
0: a good they, point. I mean, they are going to have to, aren't they? They have to um, if we're if Absolutely. we're basically. The the well it looks like the way that things are gonna go is basically there'll be a straight transfer from gas cars to electric cars. Price of electric cars will eventually come down and people are gonna switch. Well that's what people feel like is happening now. I don't know if that's fair or accurate or not. But
1: it's not gonna be abrupt. And I talk to a lot of you're gonna get it out of my cold dead handers, I call them. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's okay. Take care of your internal combustion engine car, like maintain it, don't drive it as often. There's other ways to you know help the planet out. But EV adoption is here. They know when they get to, um, I think it's 10%, that it'll it'll tip really fast to 25. This happened with cell phones. It happened with microwaves, stuff like that. If they can get an adoption rate, as soon as they hit 10, they know they're off and running. And we're there. And it's going to go. But I'm still telling people, don't run out and buy one. They're too expensive. And if you want one, do some research first. But I mean, EV, I give seminars on this stuff and it's where we're going eventually. And if you don't want to, you don't have to. But well,
0: I think, yeah, I don't think, I mean, I bought a car recently, a secondhand car. <laughs> it's not an EV, uh, it, it, but it's cheap and it's old. So I kind of yeah. feel that, that, that that's my environmental contribution is it's small, cheap and old. And uh, I don't use much gas in it. Um, would I buy an electric one if I could? Yeah, but I can't. It's no way I'm spending that kind of money right now for a car. I don't drive that often anyway.
1: And I think that's uh, the thing. If we had the structure in place where people could be, if we had good transit. If we had walk, you should be able to walk within your comf- comfortable range. And oh, the conspiracy theories about fifteen minute cities. Oh, this cracks me up. This it's cracks. It's a good me one. <laughs> what does every real estate ad say? Walk to the library schools um entertainment they brag about being able to walk to all these amenities so every real estate ad is pitching a 15-minute city and people are going no it's a controversy it's like no no it's really not it's like been the goal forever is to be able to for your kids to walk to school
0: Exactly. only i mean and i think it that all came from like a single american right-wing nut bar Uh, just just telling a lie and it you know the 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 lies get around the world before the truth has got its pants on or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Edmonton's uh, paying for that now. It, it's look, crazy. I,
0: I lived in Cambridge, UK version of Cambridge years ago. No, I wasn't at the university. I was uh, <laughs> just working at a shitty job. Um, but back then, I mean, that's 30 years ago. They had the kind of uh, road controls to limit certain types of tr- traffic, in mm-hmm. certain parts of the town at certain times of day yeah. um, because you don't want a massive truck driving through the middle of a medieval city all the time because then your medieval city falls down yeah. that's all that kind of, and, and the idea that the, the ambition of wouldn't it be nice if we could just all walk out of our door and, and, and walk into a shop and buy that essential stuff? Or, yeah. you know, you don't have to drive to the doctor. You don't, ha- wouldn't that be nice that somehow that is turned into a bad thing?
1: Oh, it's adversarial. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I get so much flack because I give a damn about pedestrians and cyclists. I don't know why that is a bad thing. And I'll always have someone go, no, I have to. Drive to take my mother to her doctor's appointment so you can't take my car away from me. I go, Wouldn't it be great if your mom could go to her doctor's appointment because the medical building was on her way? Like, no. so I, I think there's a lot of forest and trees here going on. And I have a car, I'm a hypocrite. I drive, but I just say to people, Drive less if you can, you know, get out and walk, actually meet your neighbors in your community. And you know where I live, there's no reason. For people to do a lot of driving but i don't know i just don't know why um we've become if- so polarized that the people who are just trying to make it good for your mom like for other people how, how is that a negative thing surely there's a middle ground here i'm not trying to take your keys
0: like everything becomes a religious war and you know what <laughs> i i think to be honest you know my twitter feed is full of a whole load of cycling activists and they can be real hard asses <laughs> sometimes oh, yeah. it's it's as if, you know, if you drive a car, you're a massive asshole. And yes. it's like, no, that's yeah. that's not, no one's ever said that. We, we don't.
1: Well, you know, yeah. there's commenters on the other side saying exactly that. So yeah, but that's I get the, where the animosity comes from, the, but it's not going to help anybody. Uh, yeah,
0: it gets you absolutely nowhere. Then you end up, you got two communities who are no longer speaking to each other. Who think yeah. that the other side is idiots. Yeah, um, yeah welcome
1: know. to the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's it. This is the current world, and it's yeah. really depressing. <laughs> Um, I mean, Doug Ford's basically bribing, he's bribing his base, right? This is what this is all about. Um, And I know, do you think he's going to get away with it?
1: I don't know. When I see how many hundreds of ERs have shut down in remote parts of this province, and I know people in those places, those are lifelines in those communities. And to have a government that you voted for, turn around and remove those lifelines from you, taking away medical coverage which means you die. So your life because you live in Timmins or wherever doesn't matter as much if you're not in Toronto. So watching him bleed and kill the very people who elected him, I am at a loss now as to know why I know the people that didn't vote for him would never vote for him. But watching people who will go back to that same poisoned well after he has diminished their lives taken their lives in some cases but absolutely have no respect for those lives why why would you i I watch these mpps i've never seen a more useless crew in my life they don't exist you never see them until they insert themselves into some local municipal matter out of the blue no names why why did you show up this evening for this this doesn't make any sense where are you with the stuff that matters so they're hiding behind the guy and i don't know why because can they really all be that stupid because he is an unserious man. He is an unserious man in a position he shouldn't be in. And I, and
0: I, I really feel, and I really wish, I know it's considered basically kind of uh, you know, political death, but he, he was elected on the basis that dumb people are better than smart people um that mm-hmm. that being dumb is an admirable quality like hi i'm the biggest dumbest asshole in the room my brother was a bigger Out. dumber asshole but he's dead so yeah. let's vote for me mm-hmm. can we get away from that please can we get maybe get back to the idea that smart people have something to fucking contribute um oh it, it, i mean and you know i'm oh. not saying that that the the man in the street doesn't have all kinds of things to contribute um but actually, education, uh, research, uh, thinking carefully about taking an action before you take an action is, you know, kind of good, right?
1: Well, I, I think it would be really nice if we first admitted that this conservative party in this current incarnation is not the one I was raised with. I was a con- raised a conservative. My dad's a prairie farm boy. Everyone's heard the story. He would be rolling right now because this is not those people. This is this reform party, which is put on this planet to make money for a very few people and be damned everybody else. And that's always the goal, and it has been for a few decades now. So why people are still just, I swear, they just see blue and put a check mark. They're not looking for their own best interests anymore. And those best interests, they're not being well defined by the liberals or the NDP as well. I'm looking at a mass of political parties that are all trying to dance with everyone at the same time. You can't do that. I miss the days of Joe Clark was boring, but he was straight up. And Martin, like these are people that would tell you the truth and you got the idea they had a modicum of smarts, like they weren't stupid. And then we get ushered in to the Sarah Palin generation of Tea Party garbage where the dumbest, noisiest one wins because they think they're putting their thumb in your eye. And that's what this feels like. People are voting as long as they can stick it to somebody else. It's like, no, why aren't we voting for something? Why? But I look at people who go into politics and I'm like, Bah! And I know you ran, and I apologize. I think you did no, for no, like, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but I look at the people that in the U.S., especially, but especially here, half the people down here in Queens Park, they can't get a job anywhere else. They're unhirable. I know that. I know some. There's yeah, yeah. <laughs> they
0: can't. It's true, and, and the, well, I think you will find, and and maybe I'm I'm. I'm just flattering myself here, because it it might sound like it applies to me. There are good people who run, but they run once. And if they don't win the first time, they're like, oh, screw it. And and it's like, what did I learn from running for politics? I Mm. learned that I didn't want to be a politician. Yeah, you saw how the politics get made. This sucks. No, If I I win, I have to go and work in in Burlington City Hall. No thanks. And, and if I ran provincially, I'd ha- I get to sit in Queen's Park and be absolutely ineffectual and pointless as a backbencher. No, well,
1: You have to start conniving and compromising and selling out and lying and bribing to get into a position of power. And I'm sure this isn't just the same in Canada. This is everywhere. But we have some really shifty people with their hands on the controls. And the thing with Ford is his crew so stupid they showed us, and I'm flabbergasted that they weren't better at covering their asses. I mean, I that's think, crazy to me. <laughs> so I mean,
0: I I used to feel that most politicians, most po- most politicians, most politicals were I think it's like yeah, you can accuse them of being incompetent all day, every day, but they were pretty clean by and large like you you don't if you go through all the people who used to be MPPs 5 10 15 years ago you're not going to find a bunch of millionaires who got rich off off backroom yeah. deals
1: until now <laughs> uh
0: but yeah that a that could be happening now yeah uh but b that, that all during that time the conservatives were saying these guys are crooks these guys are crooks these guys are ripping you off these guys are stealing from you yeah and they actually believe that. They really believe that the liberals are crooks or the NDP are crooks or whatever. So when they get in, it's like, well, they were crooks. We, could, we can be crooks too. The whole thing gets dragged down because we're constantly telling each other that the system is corrupt and ruined and terrible. Well, self-fulfilling prophecy is its happening.
1: Yeah? And my favorite part of this is when they go, where's the investigative journalist on this? And I'm going, you didn't want to pay them anymore. They've all been fired. Well, and I beg people yeah. every time I do a book reading, please pay for one source of information that you have. Uh, the Narwhal is amazing. Press Progress is amazing. Observer is amazing. But I don't care. Spec, whatever. Please pay for one thing. Just because it flies through the air doesn't mean it's free. And the same people who are screaming, where's the investigative journalists? It's like they're at home you know, with their side hustle selling crap on Etsy because nobody wants to pay for anything. Until it gets scary. Well, guess what? We're so far past scary. It's in the rearview mirror. We need investigative journalists, not not opinion writers. I'm an opinion writer. We don't need more of me. I get it. <laughs> we don't even need me. We don't
0: but, need more opinionated podcasters either. Yeah. Yeah. Well really I, mean, don't.
1: I, I absolutely recognize the difference. And guess what? We do know the difference. It's there's a difference. But if you want these people who can keep the light and the antiseptic coming into these crooked people. Please pay for one source, just one. You can get stuff for like a few bucks a month, $5. And if everyone just paid for one and hack your way into the other ones or trade them around, I don't care. But please get back in the, the practice of paying for one source of information at least. You used to give the kid at the door with the clicker and the hardboard My parents have 65 bucks or 65 cents a week for the spec. And I thought that was the coolest job in the world. I couldn't, (laughs) oh, that was amazing. But yeah, before you start whining, look look in your own yard and go, wait, I rip everything off and ask, you know, how do I hack past a paywall? If you've ever asked someone to hack past a paywall, go and sit in the corner and don't talk to me anymore. No. (laughs)
0: Well, that's a good way to end it. Um, Let's uh, call it a day there. And yes, go out and support your uh, support a journalist in uh, whatever way possible. And um, uh, yeah, the
1: the narwhal got the green belt back that yeah. little magazine yeah. those kids are doing such great. anyway yeah
0: great. i mean that's absolutely <laughs> absolutely right and um yeah it certainly wasn't the damn uh opposition parties no. um but yeah it showed what journalism can do yeah so uh yeah it's it's really important and it's also important that that money comes from us and not from the government There's not yes. all in subsidies um which tend not to get to the journalists anyway but uh, anyway thank you lorraine really appreciate it um we'll speak again hope the book goes well and And, yeah, let let us know when the next one comes out.
1: I'll I'll let you read this one first. Thanks, (laughs) Roland. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes
0: to our email